0: so we 'll be looking at um one four two from the Majuminkai, and that 's the Dakina Wibanga Sutta that was um proposed by hugh i i went i read through this a couple of times this one's um has pretty deep stuff so we 'll just see see how we go and um what i 'll do is i 've got the the footnotes on the side here but what what um i 'll just check with people i'll 'll read i 'll read through a uh, a couple of um paragraphs, and then i 'll just check if anyone has any views opinions any any ideas on the um uh the content so i 'll let you guys speak first before i um before I add any of my own my own spiel so, so. Thus have I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was living in the Sakyan country at Kaplawatu in the Park. Then Maha Gotami uh, took a new pair of cloths and went to the Blessed One. After paying homage to him, she sat down at one side and said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, this new pair of cloths has been spun by me. Woven by me, especially for the Blessed One. Venerable Sir, let the Blessed One accept it from me out of compassion. When this said, the Blessed One told her, Give it to the Sangha, go to me. When you give it to the Sangha, the offering will be made both to me and to the Sangha. A second time and a third time she said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, accept it. From me, out of compassion, a second time and a third time, the Blessed One told her, "Give it to the Sangha. Go to me. When you give it to the Sangha, the offering will be made, both to me and to the Sangha." So, in reference with the, um, the footnotes, it's quite um, interesting in the, in the sense as many, many of you understand that. Um, uh, Mahapaja Gati Patti Gautami was the, the youngest sister of uh, Queen Mahayana Mahe Maya, the Buddha's mother. So this is the the lady who essentially wet nursed and raised the Buddha uh, when he was uh, a young baby. After his own own mother had actually passed away after after his birth, and um, you know, she provided the, the milk and she raised him as a um, uh, as a young child. And when you check the uh, canonical account of the founding of the bhikkhuni sangha, you know, this shows that when you actually look at the chronological order, you, know, you will see that Mahapacha Patigotami, she was the first um, historical bhikkhuni in the ordination uh, lineage. And um, in addition, the... When this particular reference, when you look at the, the, um, that footnote of, of that 1292, the, the, the Buddha's recommendation to actually give to the, the Sangha um, in total, you know, by giving to the Sangha, she maximised her wholesome merit. He also said that, in, in addition to this, that um, later generations would be inspired to show respect towards the Sangha and... By supporting the sangha with the four physical requisites, which contribute towards the longevity of the dispensation, so Achyam Brahm also makes this um, reference from time to time. You know, because he's the senior uh, teacher uh, in the, up at the monastery, and um, you know, because he's, he's very well known uh, internationally, he tends to uh, a lot of um, both say, material and. Financial support tends to come his way for the for the greater, not only just the monastery, but also for the uh, Dhammaloka, for the um, uh, the monks, the, sorry, the nuns' monastery, and also the smaller projects like um, the uh, the uh, the Hermesville project, where the, the house there will probably take a, maybe another full year to build, and also um, Venerable Jaganata's place. Uh, outside of Melbourne, where I, I, I popped in for six weeks and, and helped him out to uh, get get established and you know, some small projects and whatnot. And um, because I was connected with the some of the senior members of um, BSV who'd been uh, essentially helping out uh, even over like 20 to 30 years and they, they were very well um, aware that they wouldn't be able to get... Uh, their own place together within a reasonable uh, time frame without um, Seacham Brom's uh, backing and um, support. So he's very, very, as you understand, very well-known, very quite high-powered on the, um, both within the uh, the uh, Singaporean, uh, Malaysian and um, you know, Indonesian support uh, fraternity. And, and Thailand to a, say, a smaller degree. And also with the the four physical requisites, which are the basic um, requisites for the monks and the nuns' life, and, and, and also with, even with the the, the eight precept um, uh, lay disciples, you know, in training within the you know so the monastic um, facilities that you know, the. The four basic requisites. You know, essentially, you you, you need um, in order to 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 live this life. The um, uh, the food. You know, the food. At least, say one daily meal, which the vast. You know, say probably ninety percent of the population can can survive on, and um, and uh, continue the practice and the just the basic dwell, dwelling. You know, when you're looking at the historical um, setting, you know, one uh, one. Uh, main meal that you collect from the say the the local the local villages or possibly even prepared inside the the monastery and just a, a basic uh, shelter like uh, could be like a a straw hut or maybe a, a so like a timber frame kuti uh, design, just something quite simple and the the um say the medicine which is the, the foundation medicine was the fermented cow's urine which has quite a number of um, applications, it's like a similar principle to the, um, the way we, we would use vinegar. So, the way vinegar was used um, both in traditional uh, and, and folk medicine, you know, uh, the fermented vinegar, you know, can have like absolutely dozens and dozens of, of, of um, different um, applications with, you know, antibacterial um, healing, you know, maintaining internal health. And uh, antiseptic qualities, and uh, so looking at food, shelter, uh, medicines, and the uh, the basic set of robes—you know—enough robes to 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 cover the um, uh, the the physical the physical body. And point three. Then the Venerable Ananda said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir. Let the Blessed One accept the new pairs of cloths from Mahapachapati Patigotami. Mahapati Patigotami has been very helpful to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, as his mother's sister, she was his nurse, his foster mother, the one who gave him milk. She suckled the Blessed One when his own mother died. The Blessed One, too, has been very helpful to mahapacha Patigotami, Venerable Sir, it is owing to the Blessed One that mahapacha Patigotami has gone for refuge to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. It is owing to the Blessed One that mahapacha Patigotami abstains from giving living beings, from taking what is not given, from misconduct in sensual pleasures, from false speech and from wine, liquor and intoxicants, which are the basis of negligence. It is owing to the Blessed One that mahapacha Patigotami possesses perfect confidence in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, and that she possesses the virtues loved by the noble ones. It is owing to the Blessed One that Mahapatha gotami is free from doubt about suffering, about the origin of suffering, about the cessation of suffering, and about the way leading to the cessation of suffering. The Blessed One has been very helpful to Mahapatha Gotami. That is so, Ananda, that is so. When one person owing to another has gone for refuge to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha, I say that it is not easy for the former to repay the latter by paying homage to them, rising up for them, according them reverential salutation and polite services, and by providing robes, arm food, resting places and medicinal requisites. So naturally that gets... Repeated several times, and there's quite a lot of emphasis um, placed on this. And when you when you actually um, when you check the the footnotes, that um, the supposedly that Mahapati Pati Gautami was actually a stream enterer at that stage. And many of you understand when you see that emphasis when a when a, a disciple um, is recognised as having say full faith. In the Buddha, I mean, when we talk about full faith, we're talking about 100% full faith in the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And when you are at that level on a in a reality principle, you know, on a reality principle, that essentially that, that person is at the um, uh, the Sotapanna level. And um, you know, they also contain the you know being that, that four factors of you know of stream entry, the recognition of the uh, the, the stream entry. Um, state, and that the containing the virtues um, which are dear to the noble ones. So all all soda have a very um, high natural, a very a very high level of natural um, morality, which is imbued due to the um, the inherent purity of the mind. It's not like a, it's not like a a kind of purity which is. Um, say, say, like acted acted out. Uh, you know, say for example, you know, you can you can have very, very good monks uh, and nuns and and uh, who've been practicing for minimum say twenty, thirty years, and um, you know they can give the appearance of, of being very, very um, pure-minded, and naturally they you know they will be uh, automatically restrained and and polite and. Compassionate, and they will fulfil their role to the best of their uh, ability. But it doesn't mean that you actually have the the real purity of 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 that level. You know, actually within the mind. You know, it's a permanent uh, state. It's not it's not something that you you just see within the um, external form. So. So when one person owing to another has come to abstain from killing living beings, from taking what is not given, from misconduct in sensual pleasures, from false speech and from wine, liquor and intoxicants, which are the basis of negligence, I say that it's not easy for the former to repay the latter by paying homage to them uh, in addition to the medicinal requisites. When one person owing to another has come to possess perfect confidence in the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, and to possess the virtues loved by noble ones, I say that it is not easy for the former to repay the latter by paying homage to them, in addition to medicinal requisites. When one person owing to another has become free from doubt about suffering, the origin, the cessation, and about the way leading to the cessation of suffering, I say that it is not easy for the former to repay the latter by pay, by paying homage to them and supporting them with the four requisites of the spiritual life so the say so for example if you if you were if you attained to the sotapanna uh, level say under the, the, the guidance and the, the tutelage of um, the buddha by even though that is it's the it's the first level of the, you know, the first of the, the four enlightenment levels, that when you reach that point, and you know the Buddha has actually guided you and brought you to that point, the that emphasis on you you can't um, not only the Buddha but any any teacher who brings you to that level, they could be a, a stream entry sorry a stream enterer themselves and which gives them the ability, they may not necessarily have the full faculties, but it gives them the ability to, to guide and train and lead you to that state. Because there was a point which came up um, in the car as we were coming in uh, with one of the community members and with all the monks and nuns and also the lay disciples who've um, especially obtained to the enlightenment stages that essentially as a as a reality principle you can't bring another you can you can you can teach a person up to that point but you can't take them beyond that point because you know essentially the path it's very much it's a it's a feely feely path it's an ex- experiential path and you can't teach somebody something that you haven't realized within yourself because the when you look at the nature of the mind and you look at the the, the ten fetters which bind a person um, uh, in samsara, you know, the, as you're well aware, the you you basically cut the three fetters, three of the ten at the level of sodapana, um you attenuate or so cut away roughly about fifty fifty percent of of um, uh, say lust, hate, and aversion. This is a very rough guide. When you speak with forest teachers, and they ask you, or you ask them, how much of the defilements in the mind do you actually remove as you move from level to level, and at, in a rough, in a rough sense, at the sotapanna, has cleared twenty-five percent of all defilement of all um, uh, spiritual obstructions inside the mind. The, the sakadagami, fifty percent. The anagami. Seventy-five, and the Arahant has essentially purified the mind um, completely. And so, essentially, the the um, when you're talking about say levels of, of real real purity, you, you actually have to um, consider that as a just as a, um, as a as a as a basis. And. Um So there are 14 kinds of personal offerings, Ananda. One gives a gift to the Tathagata, accomplished and fully enlightened. This is the first kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to a uh, Pacheka Buddha, which is uh, a a silent Buddha, uh, which essentially is a a person who um, has naturally attained full um, enlightenment and, and going from the, the, cano- the, the canonical um, description I haven't seen like that many references in, 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 in with the, the level of um, the, the, the spiritual faculties but when they the, 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 um, the emphasis is that the pacheka the, the Buddha from what I understand, but I haven't seen an exact reference on this. It's so something I better check in some other files. Is um, should should have taken the the uh, say like the paramis. You know when they, you know when they talk about say like the ten paramis within the um, within the mind frame of uh, say like a fully enlightened Buddha. You know those the 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 um, uh, the wisdom. You know the wisdom, the samadhi, the the generosity, the patience, the equanimity. Um, what else is there? The uh, metta, compassion. You know, there's there's ten of these in total, and it's known that the the tathagata has fulfilled all those um, uh, those those ten qualities to their maximum level. They they've essentially um, have been taken to their uh, their highest degree, and um, theoretically the the Pichika Buddha should be at the same level otherwise they wouldn't use this description um, say like Buddha you know, as a terminology but the Pacheka Buddha is what they call a silent Buddha um, becomes you know, fully accomplished but the person um, for God knows what reason doesn't actually go out there and teach the dispensation to his full capability um, I don't, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of an unusual, it's something I have to look into. Um, the, you know, they call the Pacheka Buddha a silent Buddha, but I, I find it quite unusual in the sense that um, they're known to be, um, to be solitary um, uh, teachers, you know, solitary practitioners, you know, sort of um, uh, like, like hermits in a sense. But, you know, when you're that highly developed, uh, you know, across the range, you know it's um, I find it a bit unusual that a person of, of that level and understanding you know would would um, wouldn't be motivated to actually um, instruct and and save uh, other beings in sansara so it's I, I haven't come even over the years I haven't come across um, any references on the so like the mind state the 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 life stories of pacheka Buddhists. there must be some material there somebody have a call? Yep, yep yeah that 's correct and um, but I find, it, I find it quite unusual in a, in, and there 's a thought which has come up in my mind in relation to this that when this is, this is not this is just a slight slight sidetrack when Achang Cha actually came to England when he was invited by the uh, what was it the the, the, Sangha, the the Buddhist Sangha trust in in London uh, to to send monks. To England to sell up a facility to um, to teach people that when Achancha came to visit to essentially to examine the um, uh, the, the lay of the land and the, the 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 potential support and the people who the key people who were who were who were interested in setting up a society and the support network um, so there was a particular incident which took place which gave. Um, Essentially, it gave Atchanchara a sense of um, uh, like uh, of disp- dispassion. <laughs> I mean, I better tell you what it is, but you might think it's a bit funny, but because you know, he'd, he'd come from a very, um, I wouldn't say completely sheltered background, but very, very simple, um, say like lifestyle in northeast Thailand. I um, suppose <laughs> he was. He was. I think he was walking through the the suburbs in. In London, and he passed a uh, like a newspaper stand, and on the, the the newspaper stand there were like you know m- like magazines, um, you know, portraying um, you know like women and, and um, young women in the, like the Playboy <laughs> format and um, the sort of classification of, of magazines. And when and when he saw that the the, the, the girly magazine. Format. He was he. He felt that the 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 minds of the the general population were so so far gone. You know, getting into into this particular type of thing. Um, he felt like dismayed and and um, and um, sort of like disappointed. And he he said to Longpo Samada, he said, how can how can you how can you teach people? You know when when this you know when when people are basically absorbing this kind of material in in the in in day to day life. You know it was just an indication of the of the level of, of people's defilements. We in 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 modern life, some people may may feel that it's not such a uh, a big deal. You know, girly magazines and and the, the the beefcake magazines for the the ladies and the the stuff that you see on the web. But with Acheon Cha coming from that very very simple. Background and seeing the level of sensuality, um, which was being advertised, um, you know, just on the uh, the local um, in the local fraternity, he he, f- he was very very dismayed and um, he, th- he said to Longpo Sameda, he said, you know, how can you how can you you know instruct people when they're, when they're, when their minds are at this level? But even with, within ourselves, that um, any of you who have internet access are. Um, are exposed to that this kind of material just uh, constantly you don 't you don't think it 's a big deal and you naturally it will sl- there 's no absolutely no doubt this kind of material will slow people 's um, practice like right down um, but um, it's just co- it 's just it 's a common understanding um, the uh, uh, this kind of exposure hmm. so gives to uh This is the second kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to an Arahant disciple of the Tathāgata. This is the third kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to one who has entered upon the way to the realization of the fruit of Arahantship. This is the fourth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to a non-returner. This is the fifth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to one who has entered upon the way to the realization of the fruit of non return. This is the sixth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to a once returner. This is the seventh kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to one who has entered upon the way to the realization of the fruit of once return. This is the eighth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to a stream enterer. This is the ninth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to one who has entered upon the way to the, real, the realisation of the fruit of stream entry. This is the tenth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to one outside the dispensation, which is outside the Buddha's teaching, who is free from lust, from sensual pleasures. So that, that, um, that footnote there is 1296. And so when you when you look at that actually do any, any of you got an opinion before I go, go forward so with that that footnote that one two nine six, and this um, these you know these levels of of, um, of merit or um, uh, personal offerings to people from at the at the highest level, the person who's the uh, you know, the uh, fully enlightened Buddha, pacheka Buddha moving right down. Um, you know through the um, different levels of, of um, enlightened beings and um, if you move down this this principle here gives a gift to one to outside the dispensation who's free from lust for sensual pleasures essentially that individual when we when we're when we're talking uh, at that level you're looking at a person who who they've got to have the to have the jhanas mastered at least to, at least to a, a medium degree. So if you've got, say, full mastery of the first jhana and you, you're able to maintain that constantly on a day-to-day basis, you, you actually don't see the, uh, the five hindrances in the mind as long as you, you are able to maintain that state of samadhi uh, meditation. And, you know, if you say, for example, you get a person who has, the, say, the fourth jhana, samadhi, and the mind is in, in incredibly pure, and the person who maintains that on a, on a day-to-day uh, basis, you know, who are incredibly skilled in that level of meditation, they don't see their defilements whatsoever. You know, you just can't see it. The mind is, is very, very pure on the... Um, Both on the surface to the intermediate, you can't you can't see the 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 underlying like energies and uh, forces uh, in the mind. And uh, as a little bit of a sidetrack to the even at the very highest stages, the person who's um, attained to anagami. And there's been a couple of cases like this where the person um, had been an anagami for. Minimum, say, five to ten years, and the mind is incredibly... The way they describe it, incredibly pure, bright, radiant. The insight knowledge just flows effortlessly for that person at that, at that third level of, of the uh, uh, enlightenment stages. And you can't... The mind is so refined, you don't see the even you know that's an incredibly high level of attainment and even that person can't see the five higher fetters the five remaining fetters which bind the person to samsara so which is attachment to uh, rupajanas a rupajanas, uh conceit you know the the the, the self conceit of i am the trace of the ego and restlessness which is incredibly refined restlessness and um, that last trace of ignorance or or delusion uh, in relation to um, so both insight knowledge and the the nature of the mind, the way the mind works. Mm. One gives a gift to a virtuous ordinary person. This is the twelfth kind of personal offering. One gives a gift to an immoral ordinary person. This is the thirteenth kind of personal offering one gives a gift to an animal, this is the 14th kind of personal offering. So um, here in in Ananda, by giving a gift to an animal, the offering may be expected to to repay a hundredfold. By giving a gift to an immoral ordinary person, the offering may be expected to, to repay a thousandfold. By giving a gift to a virtuous, ordinary person, the offering may be expected to repay 100,000 fold. By giving a gift to one outside the dispensation, the Buddha's teaching, who is free from lust for central pleasures, the offering may be expected to repay 100,000 times, 100,000 fold. By giving a gift to one who has entered upon the way to the realisation of the fruit of stream entry, the offering may be expected to repay incalculably, uh, immeasurably, so right. yeah, so with this principle, this takes you up to that um that footnote of uh, one two nine eight where as you as you move from this point and it's said that although the results of giving in each of the following cases is incal is incalculable. They talk about like ascending um, gradations in their incalculability. So the it's essentially when you're looking at the say the the quality the the level of being say the the first one where it was in, in like incalculable and then they move on to the next level and it's supposed to be even more in, incalculable. But what one of the references there was that they're, they're considering the, say, the, the lifespan. One of the factors in relation to this word that they, that they use uh, as far as a, a state being in, incalculable, as far as the development of wholesome merit, is when you go back through the rebirth um, process, and as, as many of you understand, that the, um, the, the, the actual, the process of karma and rebirth uh, in samsara, you know, there's not supposed to be a beginning point, uh, like a starting point for you know for the uh, this process of of delusion, and process of rebirth and karma. So you know, mo, you know, all of us are supposedly um, been moving through in samsara since beginningless time. You know, no, uh, not uh, you know, not not from not from any kind of creation point, starting point, on on any level. You know, essentially, you know, the the consciousness, the mind consciousness of human beings being propelled through the um, rebirth process. But the the this this position of incalculability takes you 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 can um, it, it's not it wasn't I didn't find it, I didn't find it incredibly that well explained because when you talk about incalculable, you 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 would think that it would it would extend in an unlimited range. The, the rebirth process has an unlimited range, but the lifespans of the beings who are the recipients, who, who receive that incalculable uh, level of merit, may be limited. You know, so, for example, you have the sotapanna, maximum of seven lifetimes, or you could have a person... Usually they don't, usually don't go past the second lifetime as a sotapanna, and it's by choice. And you could have beings who make an intention to be a bodhisattva, and they choose to keep delaying the um, the realization of nibbana. It's a bit of a paradox. Um, So you know you can have a you can have a uh, uh, like a series of lifetimes, either short or or long terms. And say, for example, you had a person who was who made the determination to be. Um, a bodhisattva and would intentionally delayed their realisation of uh, enlightenment you know they have this, this principle within the um, within the, the Mahayana uh, uh, sect of Buddhism that the, 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 the individual, the disciple the follower Makes the determination to um, uh, not to enter nibbana until all you know all beings are saved. But but the thing is, it's not really a reality principle because the the Buddha said in the suttas that the number of beings is you know you can't count them. It's it's num it's like numberless. There's an unlimited um, quantity or number of beings in samsara. So if you talk about saving all beings before you before you gain enlightenment and gain enlightenment yourself that you know that's just not a um, a realistic possibility and um and in order to enlighten another person on a practical level you've got to be at that level yourself you know you've got to know the path to you know that first level of of um realization otherwise you haven't you haven't got a hope of of teaching um uh, another individual, it's like it's like the blind leading the blind. Uh, so that the, it can be one of the um, limitations within the Mahayana system that some people may may not necessarily get their um, their minds around. They've also got this principle of of, um, but this is like a scholarly uh, uh, invention creation where they talk about um, uh, say like arahants and um, Buddhas actually existing in uh, other 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 world systems you know in other universe world systems, and um, a senior teacher I met in the in the Chan tradition who was not a silly person whatsoever, incredibly well read and well studied but he hadn 't he 'd studied his own texts uh, to a quite a high degree, but he hadn 't studied our texts to very uh, to even a moderate degree. At all, and he and this guy was pretty pretty intelligent and, and, and done a lot of study over 30 40 years, and you know he firmly firmly believed in that about this this principle of of uh, cosmic uh, Buddhas and enlightened disciples in in, um, uh, in other worlds, which is which is quite possible. You can have the uh, person at the sotapanna and the Sakadagami level, first and second level of enlightenment. Realistically, you will find them in the Deva local realms and you know right up to right through the Brahma local realms up to the level of the pure abodes. The the pure abodes are designated for the five different um, categories of of anagamis. I can't basically tell you straight off the cuff the discrepancy between the five the five groups. And so those individuals at the third stage of enlightenment um, remain at that remain in that state, uh, and they pass away completely after the the, the, the karma, uh, which has brought to the, which has actually brought them to that that state. Um, it's more it's more like the the, the principle. The, the reality principle is, is when, the, when the, the anagami arises, the five types of anagami arise in the Sudawasa, that there is still, as you understand, there's still like a trace of defilement left in the mind. There's still the, 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 the residue of the five high fetters remaining in the mind. But that, those particular fetters essentially become um, expired. Uh, you know, from that world after they've lived the full lifespan and they attain the full Nibbana state um, from the, the, uh, the Siddhawasa into, uh, you know, become attain to the full f- f- pure purification of the Arahant and they pass away completely and, and um, uh, the, the mind-body process uh, ceases completely. Yep, yep. Mm. Um, it just, you know obviously the of the time, just Yeah so from from the, the yeah, I mean it's quite, it's quite an altru- altruistic kind of um, mentality but yeah essentially you're coming from the, the the standpoint of the the self but the the you know I I haven't studied Mahayana uh, say philosophy or Abh- Abhidharma to any great degree, but the, the, the Mahayana system, that element of the bodhisattva and, and the and the and the the cosmic Buddhas and this um, that level of teaching, that it's 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 that didn't come from the, the Buddha. Never taught that. That actually comes from the through the the, the, the development, the, the, the literary development of the of the of the Mahayana uh, scholars. And um, you know you can easily uh, there are you know there are specific books you can get online and you can actually follow the chronology, the way the teaching was gradually formulated, um, you know, from the the Theravadan to the, the the Mahayana style. But the essentially the the additions that you see within the Mahayana doctrine, they they, they are a scholar's creation. And um, you know any 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 person who's attained uh, the enlightenment stages will sta- will will state that very clearly because they understand you know within themselves uh, at the mind level the process of of, of um, karma and rebirth and dependent origination you know they they, they understand um, there's, a, there's a number of um, essential ins- insights which will not allow you to essentially be fooled by the um, by this scholarly uh, invention within the Mahayana fraternity. And um, but the reason this actually came about this was this was um, brought up by Theravadan scholar, and it's actually got a it's got a it's uh, the historical um, let's get my memory right the historical development why the the Mahayana actually be started to become formulated. Uh, through in, in history was that in the beginning you had the the, the say the forest tradition fraternity you know, as, as you understand that you had the lifestyle that the Buddha was living um, in, the, in the early days as a practitioner, living in the forest, living in simple dwellings under a tree, uh, just one meal a day that you, you know you, you do your food collection from the local villages. And a very, very simple, uncomplicated spiritual uh, lifestyle on a day-to-day basis, but there were a number of people within the, the, the sangha, both uh, monks, nuns, and um, lay disciples, who weren't able to sustain the like the the, the rigors, the, the 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 withstand the the, the more the more, the, uh, the harsh conditions. You know, the deprivation, you know, being exposed to the elements, being exposed to, to sickness, being exposed to discomfort and, th- you know, things like, um, you know, mosquitoes, you know, anyone who goes to, say, Thailand, Burma, uh, Sri Lanka, you know, you, you get exposed to mosquitoes and leeches and ticks and parasites, especially if you're living in the, the jungles. I mean, these these little creatures just eat you alive, you know, without a uh, mosquito net and, and uh, naturally, you know, you become prone to infectious diseases and this type of thing. But these individuals, who were were not, were, not, were unable to withstand the life, they started to move away from the the forest uh, fraternity, the forest setting, and then moving towards the say the edge of villages, where it was easier to get food. It was easier to get support, medicines. You know, you could get a little hut built, and you know, you you weren't so far out that you couldn't get a little shack, little straw hut built, and. Um, so you had these... more I wouldn't call... I can't think of the right words. I wouldn't say, like, weak-minded individual, but people who, who are more interested in, say, connecting to the, uh, the local, society, local society, increasing their personal comfort, increasing their level of personal possessions, possibly increasing their personal wealth, which is, which is um, something that you, you see arising in Thailand, Burma, you know, Sri Lanka, especially within the village... Paternity, um, you know, many many village monks are known for for using um, money, but um, I don't make such an incredibly big deal about it. If they if they if they're using very very small amounts of cash to buy, say like a bus ticket, a, a train ticket, or maybe pick up something at the the hardware store, but when they when they you know when they've got so much cash that they walk into a shop and they're buying uh, you know say like smartphones or or say like Gucci bags and you know really high class expensive um, items, and they have more money uh, in their wallets than the poorest of their lay disciples. Well, essentially that's 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 morally wrong. You now, if you want if you want to keep the, the strict standard, you don't um, you know you don't use money or carry money um, whatsoever. But I, I understand if people do because if you're a monastic and you don't use money and you're in the position of a teacher and you travel, you, you're 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 really in a very difficult situation because you, you have to constantly you're constantly dependent on the lay fraternity, you have to constant constantly ask them for things. You've got to ask them for tickets and for, you know, to um, to be picked up, you know, from the airport, dropped off and to cover your meals and medicines, you know, and it just goes on and on and on, you know. When when you're outside, if you're a well-known teacher, it's not so difficult, you know, you make yourself easy to look after, but if you're you're moving around internationally and if you don't have a solid support uh, network, eventually you'll get stuck. You know, when things go wrong, um, the plane, you know, say, for example, your flight gets cancelled or you have to rebook a ticket or... Or things like you, you know you've got to make a phone call to actually check a pickup or, or or check in with someone, and you haven't got a phone and the phone cards. I got stuck in Sydney Airport for half a day because um, there were problems with my transport, and the phone. I had three different types of phone cards, and um, they didn't work on the, the machines in the airport, which were locked into uh, to Telstra. And eventually, I meant I had to I had to ask to use somebody's um, um, smartphone, and then I had to reverse charges, and it took me an extra five to six hours to to get from Sydney to Wollongong, and um, because I didn't even, you know, I didn't even have a, um, I didn't have a phone, and some like some people just looked at me in disbelief, you know, you, you know, you're travelling around and you haven't got a phone, and it's like, you know, you, you're completely, you are completely irresponsible, <laughs> and if you haven't got a phone, actually, they look down on you, they think you're a bit, you know, a bit soft in the head. But you know, you guys understand why the monks, you know, the majority, of, especially the forest monks, usually, Depends on the person. Uchen Bron doesn't carry a phone. Naturally, doesn't use money or a credit card. Some senior teachers uh, will, because when you get really, really stuffed up about two or three times, um, you know, you may you may carry a phone just to basically cover cover your you know cover your butt. Hmm. Yeah, because the, the thing is, once, you, once you've attained to the, the fourth stage as, a, as an Arahant, because all, all fully enlightened beings, you're looking at full purification of mind, the difference between the Arahants and the Buddhas, it's the level of spiritual parami. The, the, you know, they talk about the ten paramis um, within the Theravadan fraternity, which you don't actually see in the suttas, it's not in the suttas, and the six paramis within the Mahayana system. Um, the Buddha supposedly has got them to the, it's, it's, its maximum level um, but that principle of the, that purification of mind uh, once you attain arahantship uh, you cannot be reborn uh, in any realm whatsoever. There's, there's, no, there's no substrate, there's no underlying ten, tendency or sense of self or or say for choice of better words, impurity within the mind, the defilements in the mind to bring you to rebirth uh, again. Yeah, like I'm definitely not an expert on that one, but the the Buddha said this is, and this is a, this is in the Sutta, and I always go back to the Suttas because it's almost foolproof. Um, the the Buddha said that no two Buddhas arise in what you say. You see, you said in, in say like in one world system uh, at any time. So you, you can you can um, you can argue the point. This is actually, this is something I've got to check. I'll, I'll check on this one. I can't. Th- I can't remember if it's if it's one world system or the, the the universe. Because when you when you look at the chronology of the Buddhas uh, with the expansion and contraction of the universe, supposedly there are five Buddhas within the, the, within this this particular lineage before this universe ends. And um, uh, uh, Gotama was number number four, and um, number five. Is Maitreya. and th- this is the, this is the the listing you actually see in the chronology, that book, the chronology of the the Buddhas and the, the listings of the the Buddhas going back through through time, you know, through the expansions and contractions of the uh, the universe. But the the it's uh, something I'll double check. But the, the reference they they talk about. Um, the expansion and contraction of the of the of the universe, and they talk about the the arising of, of, of rising and ceasing of Buddhas through this process. So it seems that it, it it's something I've got to check, but it indicates to me that only one Buddha arises within that universal system, within that the the expand, expansion the expansion and contraction of the universe, that universal. Um, system even though you you may have you've got like world systems within the universe that i never ever saw it in print that the buddha stated in the suttas that two buddhas can ever arise within one world system the the only references i've like i'm not a scholar by any means i'm more more into meditation but the i've never seen a reference which said the that two buddhas can actually arise within the universe Together at any point in time when you look at that chronological sequence, but it 's something that 's worth looking into uh, yeah definitely I definitely wouldn 't argue the point it 's certainly certainly possible but the 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 reason why there was um, this historical and cultural reference to the the, the Buddha's um, being male. When you look at you know, in a practical sense, if you have the uh, the female practitioners, one of the disadvantages of the um, say the the female pra- or you know, and there's a number of, of the female practice- practitioners living in say like isolated locations, um, uh, forest locations. Um, you know, living alone, or even in small small companies or small groups, that uh, essentially, and this is a this is a, a male um, uh, essentially this is a male um, what would you call it? Say like a male problem. But you know, you know women uh, you know women are subject to molestation and rape by by males. Um, you know, culturally and historically, and if you have uh, a woman living alone in the uh, the forest section, or as, in, as, as as some kind of religious mendicant um, you know it 's almost guaranteed that she 's going to be molested on some level at some point yeah but it, it doesn't it doesn 't mean it doesn 't mean jack it 's like you can, you can be incredibly highly if you 're female, you could be a fully enlightened buddha but i ca- i can 't say if that if that if 's going to be if that is going to be uh, essentially give you full protection, full physical, especially the full physical protection, you know, for for the rest of your life, uh, you know. Naturally, the, the Buddhas have um, uh, whether you know whether we if we if we use if we, say for example, a, a female Buddha who has um, whose faculties are developed to the highest level across the range, who has incredible psychic ability. The um, ability to recollect, see other people's karma and the way people's karma crosses uh, and connects for maybe short or long duration. That person, that female person, may be fully aware of of dangers which are coming her way, but you know I can't say that that a person at that level uh, will st- will still not be subject to, to to dangers. Not only just not 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 just. No, not only, uh, say, male human beings, but also, like, like wild animals, like tigers, bears, uh, and elephants. The, the, you know, it's very, very incredibly rare that even, say, monks, nuns, and um, especially the monks and nuns, they, you don't hear of many attacks, even in the, in the forests and jungles, in, say, in the early days, Thailand, Burma. Not, I haven't heard much about the Sri Lankan fraternity, um, but it's, it's very rare. It doesn't happen very often. Even if you've got, like, an elephant trail... Several hundred meters from your kuti, it's incredibly rare that, that, that a bull elephant will actually charge a kuti a, a unless you, you, you antagonise the, uh, you know, the, the, the elephants. So, but I think the the the, re- the reasoning, one of the primary reasonings, was what the the females had a, a limited ability to um, you know, to protect themselves, you know, like in isolated locations. So, you know, there, there's that sort of rendering. That the you know the Buddha said this that where for example in, even in villages not only women practicing the religious life in seclusion but in villages where so in a small or say more like say small villages where there are large numbers of women and few men that that particular um, uh, so what would you call it Gat, uh, fraternity you know can can be can be subject to the uh, say the, uh, the, the, the the plundering, the um, the mistreatment by um, by bands of robbers, thieves, and and uh, other groups of, of say like like ruffians. You know? um, that was actually within one. Of you, you you can do it like a word search, and you you see that particular sort of come up. But the a reference a reference in relation to this is um, when I was at uh, when I was at Tan Achana Nuns' place in uh, Wat Mapchan he made references to um, female body. He puts a lot of emphasis on this on both uh, male and female bodhisattvas in higher realms um, of existence, and it is you know it is a technical. Um, uh, what would you say? It uh, uh, like a, a potential that uh, you know you can get a person who has attained enlightenment you know, on the path, you know, with, with a, like a, a body, not, not necessarily a, a full bodhisattva um, perspective because I, I have heard it uh, said that um, if a person, you know, this is in, even within the forest tradition fraternity, that if a person makes a very, very strong intention to save uh, uh, other beings before they're prepared to um, attain to uh, nirvana, that that will actually block them from, from realizing the the soda level, you know that um, that will uh, uh, essentially struck, uh, the, obstruct the um, the the realization of mind. And but he talked about um, uh, say like enlightened people who were, were practicing similar, you know both male and female uh, say like devas, uh, you know, practicing uh, along the lines with it, like a bodhisattva mentality, and and when you look at the way Sayagyi Brahm uh, lives his life, the amount of the amount of teaching and the service and the travel that he that he gives, um, you know, both in the community here, uh, Dhammaloka, uh, with the nuns, with the uh, uh, Bodhinyana, and also with the um, his international fraternity, he does an incredible. Amount of work more than any other abbot, more than any other um, any of the, the of the say the Thai enlightened teachers, you know he works uh, much harder than any of of these guys, and um, so you know I've heard people Acham Brahm actually, actually people label Achan Brahm um, uh, uh, as a person with a like a bodhisattva mentality, you know supporting as many people. As, uh, he, as he can, you know, through the course of his own practice. So look here. Hmm. Okay, so point seven. There are seven kinds of offerings made to the Sangha, Ananda. One gives a gift to a Sangha of both Bhikkhus and Bhikkhunis, headed by the Buddha, this is the first kind of offering made to the Sangha. One gives a gift to a Sangha of both bhikkhus and bhikkhunis after the, after the Tathagata has attained final nibbana. This is the second kind of offering made to the Sangha. One gives a gift to a Sangha of bhikkhus. That is the third kind of offering made to the Sangha. One gives a gift to a Sangha of bhikkhunis. This is the fourth kind of offering made to the Sangha. One gives a gift saying, appoint so many bhikkhus and bhikkhunis for me from the Sangha. This is the fifth kind of offering made to the Sangha. One gives a gift saying, appoint so many bhikkhus for me from the Sangha. This is the sixth kind of offering made to the Sangha. One gives a gift saying, appoint so many bikunis for me from the Sangha. This is the second, seventh kind of offering made to the Sangha. In future times and under, there will be members of the clan who are yellow necks, immoral of evil character, people who give gifts to those immoral persons for the sake of the Sangha. Even then, I say, an offering made to the Sangha is incalculable, immeasurable, and I say that in no way does a gift to a person individually even have greater fruit than an offering made to the Sangha. Anyone got any any opinions on that one? All right, so if I take it down to the... um, uh, the footnotes there, up to 1302. You've got the um, with the the footnote. So the, the the MA states that a gift offered to an immoral bhikkhu, taken to represent the entire sangha, is more fruitful than a gift offered on a personal basis to an arahant. But for the gift to have its highest intention or value, as far as the uh, the good the good karma, the return of of uh, of the, the fruits of the good comer uh, its highest intentional value the donor must take no account of the person's qualities the personal qualities of the reciprocant but must see them solely as representing the sangha um, as a whole so say for example with the lay disciples if you, um, you know, if you if you gave to uh, say one of the monastics and your your intention, this is the bottom line your intention has to be very High-minded that you give uh, this person, you know, it could be because there is different types of monks, monks and nuns, um, and but you 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 have the the purity of intention that you wish to give to you know the the sangha as a as a as a a complete um, organisation, not just not to the the one individual. So that will that will take your personal merit to its higher level. So you don't personalise it. You're not just you're not giving to this person. You're not reflecting on the personal qualities of this individual, but you're giving to the sangha of the four quarters, which is every single um, uh, say monastic across the uh, the different you know monasteries and temples. You know, I mean, right uh, around the world. You know, so which is quite a, a large number of uh, uh, individuals. Mm. So there are four. Ki- no one's got any opinions. Okay, this stuff's pretty deep. There are four kinds of purifications of offering. What for? There is the offering that is purified by the giver, not by the receiver. There is the offering that is purified by the receiver, not by the giver. There is the offering that is purified neither by the giver nor by the receiver. There is the offering that is purified both by the giver and by the receiver. And what is the offering that is purified by the giver, not by the receiver? Here, the giver is virtuous of good character, and the receiver receiver is immoral of evil character. Thus, the offering is purified by the giver, not by the receiver. And what is the offering that is purified by the receiver, not by the giver? Here the giver is immoral of evil character... ...and the receiver is virtuous of good character. Thus the offering is purified by the receiver, not by the giver. And what is the offering that is purified? Neither by the giver nor by the receiver. Here the giver is immoral of evil character... ...and the receiver is immoral of evil character. Thus the offering is purified neither by the giver nor by the receiver... And what is the offering that is purified both by the giver and by the receiver? Here, the giver is virtuous of good character, and the receiver is virtuous of good character. Thus, the offering is purified both by the giver and by the, s- the receiver. These are the four kinds of purification of offering. So, when you when you check the the, the footnote reference, that point. One three oh three says the word purified has the meaning, uh, say made fruitful. So fruitful. So you're looking at the, 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 um, uh, say like the kamawipaka, the, 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 value, the power of the, of the merit which will uh, essentially return uh, to you. And the there's there's something I don't with the, with this principle here say the. So the purification on both the uh, the giver and the receiver, that um, it appears to be. I haven't got a second reference on this one. It appears to be that they they talk about the, the purity of the person, um, you know, giving the uh, the offering, but they, they don't they don't say. They talk about the purification factor, but they, they don't say that the, the actual the, the kusala kamma, the wholesome merit, is actually. Limited by the uh, the giver, if the, even if the person is uh, is immoral, but at that point in time, they have the mind state where, you know, um, regardless of what kind of person I am, I am still giving to um, the sangha in its entirety. But um, I couldn't I couldn't see them I couldn't see a reference where they they stated the the, the karma the the karma vipaka the the, the merit would actually be be limited, uh, regardless of the um, the quality of the intention of the the unwholesome person. Because you, you can you get, you say, for example, you have a, a wholesome or a unwholesome person um, giving to a, a say a community or a certain individual. But the person may be smart enough to realise that even if they're a dodgy person, that as long as I keep my intention um, in, in, very incredibly high-minded that the, the merit which comes back will be at its highest level. Um, but I can't say whether that would actually make a difference to the WIPAKA, whether, it, you know, they, they talk about the, 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 the offering being purified, but it wasn't said that it would actually um, affect the, um, the, 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 the actual quality of the merit coming back, regardless of the person's uh, station in life. Okay. Let's have a look. That is what the Blessed One said. When the Sublime One had said that, the teacher said further. When a virtuous person to Uh, We might see something here. When a virtuous person to an immoral person gives with trusting heart a gift righteously obtained, placing faith that the fruit of action is great, the the giver's virtue purifies the offering. When an immoral person to a virtuous person gives with untrusting heart a gift unrighteously obtained, nor places faith that the fruit of action is great, the receiver's virtue purifies the offering. When an, when an immoral person to an immoral person gives with untrusting heart a gift unrighteously obtained, nor places faith that the fruit of action is great, neither virtue, neither's virtue purifies the offering. When a virtuous person to a virtuous person gives with trusting heart a gift righteously obtained, placing faith that the fruit of action is great. That gift, I say, will come to full fruition. So this, I think this is the indication. When a passionless person to a passionless person gives, with trusting heart a gift righteously obtained, placing faith that the fruit of action is great, that gift, I say, is the best of worldly gifts. Right, But I'll probably double-check that reference. It's not, it's not really that clear. To me, uh, you know, they talk about, you know, they, they use these words, you know, the, where the, you know, the offering is purified, but they don't relate that directly to the the power of the of the merit which um, returns to you. I'm, I'll check in with Achim Bramali; he possibly might know. So that last that last passage, um, with the footnotes, that one three oh four. So the last verse, this last verse refers to the gift one arahant gives to another arahant. Even though his mind is purified and beyond karma, the act merely constitutes functional action, which has no karmic result. So, the the as you understand, the mind state of both individuals very, very pure and at its highest level. But there's there's no um, there's no there's, there's no karmic effect which will essentially fruit for the the fully enlightened disciple who gives to uh, another individual um, uh, at his level. To to give you an idea, uh, Long Po Tui, who's been recognised as an arahant in Thailand for many years, like well over 30 years, Um, he was supporting a a monastery, a forest monastery not far from him. I think it was about maybe one or maybe a couple of kilometres at the most, um, supporting a, a community there where the teacher was supposedly an old Arahant, maybe in his late eighties and he was you know he was very um, uh, i mean quite feeble very very uh, frail and feeble, but his mind was very very powerful and the, the Achan Longport, too his concern and he would check even though he wasn 't physically present, but he would actually check the minds of the junior monks who were Essentially, like his his nurses in the in the sangha, and he would um, you know he would check the um, his uh, fraternity of, of junior monks to make sure they were practicing, they were uh, taking care of um, monastic references uh, residences. They were they were attending to the the um, uh, the health and the, the welfare of their, uh, of the senior teacher there who was uh, very very immobile, very frail, and but even though his body was quite frail. That when Long Tui went to America um, for a series of teaching appointments, you know and this was told to Achanyana and, and Achanyana Doma wouldn't lie about this kind of thing, that when Long Tui came back and um, he, you know, he, he went to visit make sure that the the, the old uh, the old teacher was was um, was, was physically okay, and, and just to touch base because he'd been away, he'd been in the states for. I think easily well over four weeks, and after he returned to Thailand, he he dropped into the monastery and and um, you know just a, just small chit chat. He said, "I've I've just come back from the um, from the states, you know, from uh, uh, some t- teaching engagements, and um, you know I did a uh, little bit of travelling around the U.S. and I went here and went there." And he was just talking about some of the the um, uh, things that he saw, like on the, the landscape. He visited uh, like New York City. And he saw, you know, things like um, the, the Brooklyn Bridge and and um, what, what do they call it? The uh, the Empire State Building and some very very prominent landmarks that you see in the, the major cities in the U.S. And um, and when he when he mentioned this, at the, the, the old teacher, he he said yeah he said he said yeah, he said I know he said um, he said um, he said I've I've seen those things too and um and, and long laughed he said he said he said how did, how did you know he said well he said when you went over, over overseas he said i, I wanted to, to to check up on you to to make sure that you you know you were getting enough rest and and the, 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 the um the um the the arms food was okay and um, he, he said, basically, I was I was following following you around. He said I just projected my mind from <laughs> from his little uh, little little forest monastery in Thailand, you know, over to the United States, and he was just like following along Portillo around, and and you know he could see exactly where he was going and what he was doing and the, the, um, the size of the fraternity that he was um, uh, teaching. So they both had a bit of a bit of a chuckle about that one. So, did anyone have any additional views and opinions on anything? Whatsoever. Okay. Mm, yep.
1: I, I, I think. Okay. Uh, I think that when we, we it's very very soft. It's very yeah. very soft. I, I think when we were discussing about the Bodhata and, and the chances of occurring at the same time in the world system, I think we we're missing a little bit the point. Uh, uh, Bodhata. Is, is that someone who is, is about to become a Buddha, who is about to reestablish the sasana. So I don't think that it's a matter of physical dimensions that define what a bodhisattva a Buddha is, but it's a, it's a matter of circumstances and, and, of course, the intention for those circumstances to arise in, in the appropriate way. So I think that um, I, I completely agree that Mahayana make a big, big confusion when they start dividing the world between savakas and bodhisattvas. And that's, that's how they see. They see us as savakas, and they see themselves as bodhisattas. But when you look at the suttas, uh, Buddha said that you will never have two Buddhas at the same time, because the Buddha is the one who, who has accumulated such a, such a high-level parami that he brings back the sasana, or he brings back the dharma. Um. Some bring with the sangha, with the vinaya, or some bring with a very weak vinaya, and vinaya lasts very, only for two, three generations. So I think that the point here is just like, Yes, you will never have two Buddhas at the same time because there must be first one who will come, bring back the Dharma to to the, to, the, to, to human beings, and, and, and that defines him as the Buddha. And uh, in, in terms of locality, uh, well, if it's if the world systems are so far away and we cannot even know about them, I don't think that there's a point in, <laughs> in speculating about it that right.
0: Yeah, but that's a, it's a it's a key principle within the the Mahayana doctrine. You it's know, part of their. Um the formulation and the historical formulation, and they don't necessarily uh, question this, and you know it may it may undermine the the Mahayana uh, teaching. You know, not not only just with the this business with um, like um, say Buddhas and other world systems, but but also in, even within the, like Pure Land Buddha, Buddhism, uh, like Amitabha Buddha, you know, and the Western Paradise. If you if you if you don't believe there are there are Buddhas. In in other world systems, that essentially that just undermines the uh, Amitabha's Pure Land, also. So it's not you know with some Mahayana practitioners. I mean you you know they you you start to pull the carpet out from under their feet. You know if you if you if uh, if you undermine um, those essential principles that they have. But my my kind of the way I think because I've had people from the Mahayana. Tradition that say like lay disciples come up, come upstairs and talk about the difference differences between Theravada and Mahayana, and they and they say that um, they their brothers and sisters are, are, are Pure Land Buddhists, but they're they you know, They come from a so like a Chinese family, but uh, they practice the Theravada system. And the you know what was my opinion on this? I mean, were were, they, were their siblings? Was mum and dad their brothers and sisters? Were they where they spiritually, spiritually limited by 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 following the Mahayana belief system, the 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 uh, historical cultural belief system, and um, but essentially, when you when it comes down to uh, tin tacks, that as long as you uh, are practicing the uh, said so like the Noble Eightfold Path to the best of your ability. Uh, essentially, you, you can't—you can't, you can't, you really can't go wrong. You know, you practice the, the sila Samadhi, sila Samadhi Panya, under the, um, uh, the principles of the Eightfold Path, and that is the complete path, and that will take you, as far, as the as you're prepared to go. It's the amount of like like effort, the kind of the kind of energy and the time. Um, that you're prepared to uh, to put in to to develop yourself personally. So you know, I've met I've met plenty of of um, uh, you know Pure Land Buddhists and you know uh, Viet- you know people from the Vietnamese and Chinese traditions. And um, some of these people they're they're very very good people. They're some of the best people you could meet even within the Buddhist fraternity. So I would never I, ne- I never ever. Um, argue any points. I never do this. I don't. I never argue points of doctrine or undermine them, or say, think, oh, these guys, you know, they, um, you know, because some of them, they're, they're more, they're more engaged, they're more socially engaged, they're more, more engaged in the world. Sometimes they drive cars, they, they have their own money, they cook their own food, uh, and this and that. It's not, you know, they're, they're, you, in order to be, as as one, as one of the senior Tibetan nuns said. When I was at Santi Monastery, you know, she naturally she cooks her own food, and she has her own vehicle and whatnot. But she works, you know, she's very very busy within the Buddhist fraternity, and she works quite hard, you know, on a, on a social social level. Um, she doesn't have a lot of a lot of time for personal practice, but you know, and she and she's out there, um, you know, basically strutting her stuff. You know, she she's in robes and she's a teacher, and um, you know, she's committed to uh, to being of service to others and, and she's out there and, she, and she's doing it. So, um, you know, I'm sitting in my my peaceful little monastery and I'm not out there very often. You know, when I was at um, Bunda Noon, it was mainly Achin Sujata who was teaching in Sydney on a, on a regular basis on, on weekends and plus his international um, teaching appointments as well. So, you know, I would never put a... Uh, a bad word um, uh, against her on that on that on those particular points um, but you know it, but the thing is she argued that we a, a small a small a small argument came up between a couple of the members and and one of the nuns you know the Tibetan nuns, said straight out look you know we don't need we're not dependent on other people to cook for us you know we can basically we can we can work independently. We are you know like 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 freelance. You know they they keep the the, the precepts to the best of their ability. You know according to their own tradition, which may be quite flexible. Um, but it's only when you're, say so for example, if you, you know you've got different Buddhist traditions and you've got different interpretations of 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 Vinaya, of uh, precept structure, but the bottom line is that if you um, if you follow a certain cultural tradition um, and or a certain you know say uh, say precept formula or or, or mode of behaviour, and it's only when you get into trouble, when when things start to go wrong, um, then you may have to pull back and just review. The direction you 're going because the, th- the thing is that you know if you 're driving a car uh, and you've already, you 've you've already had a couple of accidents, you know like the warning signs uh, are there you know when, when like in, Tha- in Thailand in um, what 's his name again um, how oh, it come to mind uh, let's see that monk who was disrobed in th- Yantra, that monk who was disrobed in Thailand. Um, who fled to the uh, United States and uh, in, ended up in prison for a short time. He was driving a vehicle in one of the the local towns, and he went through a stoplight at a last minute and um, the last few, last whatever it was, one or two seconds, and he had a collision with um, uh, a woman driver, and you know he he, he killed that lady. She died, and. So he ended up being—he was held in detention through the legal process. But you know, it's one of the um, uh, potential dangers. Well, so for example, you've got monks who have—and this happens in Thailand on a regular basis. You know, monks have um, big wallets, you know, fat with cash. You know, certain monks, and and there's a there's a computer plaza in Bangkok, which is a, which has like like three levels, of very very um, comprehensive. Um, sell uh, 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 a company operation, and you know you could have easily you could have easily a hundred to two hundred monks in there you know buying their gear their their laptops their uh, you know their god knows whatever they 've got you know could be smartphones or this or that, and um, you know and just you know, hand, you know just they 've got their own money and they can basically buy what they they like so it 's um I'm not calling it like a criminal offence, but it's like it starts to get a bit, uh, you know, a little bit dodgy because you're you're relying on the support, you know, in in its in its um, you know in its its pure sense. Once you free yourself from the from the support of the lay community and start to move like a uh, an independent uh, monastic practitioner, then the potential for corruption, uh, mismanagement, and for things to go wrong. The potential is there. But when the monks and nuns make themselves fully dependent on the lay fraternity, then you've got checks and balances in place. You know, so, um, you know, if I... If somebody, you know, so, for example, somebody made... um, uh, So gave gave me um, an invitation for something, you know... Um, if I needed something, whatever, uh, and but but I would still be very very careful because w- within the understanding, you know, you have to check with people, um, you know, exactly what how how far they, you know, how much support they're prepared to give, and in what area, you know, may, may their support may be, may be restricted only to the four requisites and and, and nothing else. Or, or say for example, your, your Kindle dies. And um, you know, like I never, I never, uh, I won't dispute a point with things like um, Kindles and tablets because they're incredibly useful for study. I do a lot of my study with my own tablet, word search, text to speech, and I do. I've absorbed a lot more Sutta sort of material with the tablet than I have in any other format. And I can research. I've got thousands. I've got about six and a half thousand documents, and I don't even have to um, uh, you know, even even go into the library. I've got so much material. Um, but yeah so you you need the the checks and balances by the monastics being fully dependent on the lay people um, you know the the monastics tend to live live a a more um, say a more suitable um, say livelihood or or lifestyle you know once you get too independent you can just do, do your own thing um, you, know, you can you can get up. You can get up to all sorts of little tricks, and you know you got to be. Um, so that, you know, there's got to be limit. There has to be limits, because human beings, you know, who who aren't purified on the level of meditation, and they're not purified on the on the level of the path You know, they're, they're really just capable of anything. You know? because I mix with the local prison and some of the stories that these 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 guys tell me. This you know, it's it's pretty wild stuff. So yeah, but uh, but the thing is, with that, that the you know the the interdependency is it's it's a good point because the when the when the when the, the, the the monastics are dependent on the lay disciples, you have to maintain that cordial relationship. You have to maintain that connection, and then essentially that connection pulls the lay disciples into your field of practice. And and then you become like part of my practice, uh, you know. uh, Naturally, you know, because I'm like 19 reigns now, so I have to get out there and and teach to a minimum, you know, absolutely minimum degree. And I'm pushing it a bit more these days. I'm quite getting uh, far more confident. Um, But yeah, so you know, the the lay disciples become part of the uh, the the monastic's practice, and they and they get the benefit of uh, the. the, the practice that the, uh, the monks and nuns are uh, undertaking. They can support the, the lay community in, in, in different ways on, at different levels. Any other questions? Yeah, that one there, yeah, that particular sutta, that was, that was a pretty deep one. I had to read that one over several times. Uh, the last paragraph, um, when a
1: person, when a passionless person a passionless person gives um, so there are two Aryans giving
0: yeah yeah two two Arahants, two Arahants, one 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 uh, one giving um, some some offering to another it could be it could be any kind of community support as um, as I mentioned that story previously with Longport Tui and um, that old Arahant in the local uh, nearby forest monastery but um, yeah but there, there's the no, there's no, there's no, there's no karma with paka. There's no, there's no good, good karma which returns. Um, actually, I better get this right. When a passionless person to a passionless person, not placing fate that gift I say is the best of worldly gifts. So when, when you're looking, when you're looking at the the, the level, the, the the level of, of purity and the um, uh, let me get my mind around this one. It's like You've 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 taken it to its high level of purity on both sides, but the the, the, the arahant on the on the karmic level on the karma say so the karma we the, the cause and effect principle um, that you know that, that yeah that particular karmic effect won't won't it, it, I mean really, realistically it should reach him in the current life. Uh, up to up to the up to the, the time of his death, because you know just because he's an arahant won't won't block that wholesome karma from returning. So, for example, one monastery supported another with um, on on, the, on a level of, of say building material for for projects. Could be anything. Could be bricks, slab, anything. And um, that wholesome karma that the say the arahant teacher gives to another another community. Returns to him, but it's not personalized because the the, the Arahant who gives has no sense of self. He may recognize the fruition principle, the good karma returning, but he's neither, say, like, he's neither um, elated or, for choice of better words, elated or depressed. He's completely unaffected, completely unattached to the result of that action. Even though he has full, firm belief. He is 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 um he's penetrated those very deep um insights but he it's 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 not a uh, it's not like a um a personal um oh, I can't think of the right words, uh, experience. The, the, the way the way when the karma returns to him, he he doesn't personalize it. It's just it's just the fruit of action and that's all it is. He understands the full process but it's 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 quite impersonal because his his sense of self has disappeared completely Okey-dokey. <laughs> okay we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there if you like thank you for being so patient and attentive